0: Mediated Conversation on SAFM. While we've been focusing on our daily problems, about literally trying to get enough electricity and enough water to get yourself and your family through the day, developments around artificial intelligence suggest that how you work may change fundamentally in the next few years. Computers now seem to understand our language, and as a result, through programs that use artificial intelligence, are better able to save problems for us. This means... That if you have to prepare a presentation, or if you have to find out what's causing so many problems in a particular area, or if you just want to convince your person that you are the, your, if you just want to convince your boss that you are the best person for your job, in almost any area involving language and numbers, well, artificial intelligence can help you. One of the main reasons everyone is talking about this is because of a new generation of ChatGPT, which essentially uses language, <coughs> excuse me, like a human being. That means suddenly people are worried that their jobs are at risk, but. Is the world really going to change that much or are we overreacting to these developments and what impact will artificial artificial intelligence really have on you? First this morning, Professor Bruce Watson is the Chair of Computational Thinking and the Capitec Bank Chair in AI for Cybersecurity in the School of Data Science and Computational Thinking and a Professor of Information Science at the University of Stellenbosch. Bosch. Then... How will this change work? Is your job at risk? And Lestofile is Head of Public Policy and Government Affairs Strategy for Microsoft South Africa. And finally, the potential of artificial intelligence. It's not something that's happening in San Francisco. We have our own people working and using artificial intelligence at the moment. Polinomi Moela is the CEO of Lelapa AI. We start then with Professor Bruce Watson, Chair in Computational Thinking at the University of Stellenbosch. Professor Watson, good morning and thanks for your time. Good morning to you, Stephen, and your, uh, your listeners. Thanks for having me. We've all known about artificial intelligence or the possibility of artificial intelligence for decades. Why are we all getting so excited now?
1: Well, it really boils down to the fact that the user interface has changed so dramatically. We can now interact with it in English or many of the other languages of our choice and uh, have a very natural interaction and actual conversation with it uh, where it's providing the information in a form that we enjoy getting it back.
0: So it's simply you don't have to use numbers, you don't have to study to use it, you can just go online and use it.
1: Indeed. And of, and of course, coupled with that is the fact that it's really up to uh, the game of artificial intelligence in the sense that it's providing us very useful feedback on the level that, uh, that mostly we'd have to go to humans and experts to be able to get that kind of answer. Or we'd have to spend a lot of time in a search engine in Google, digging up these answer for, the answers for ourselves. And we sort of presented then with this very human-like uh, feedback from the system
0: we can get into all sorts of definition definitional challenges here so i'm used to doing a google search and i get an answer because i ask who is the presenter of SFM sunrise but artificial intelligence is also i presume about thinking i'm not really sure where the difference may lie but there is certainly a difference between a fact and a thought does artificial intelligence involve thinking Um, So in principle, artificial intelligence
1: does involve thinking. Um, I must caution, though, that things like ChatGPT and there are a few other systems like ChatGPT aren't really having thinking going on under the hood. This is not a thought process in the normal sense of the word. So you can also view this as being a much, much more elaborate search engine. What it does provide for you is, of course, a ranking uh, internally, so you're not presented with a thousand um, possible hits on the web uh, if you use a normal search engine. It's actually digesting that for you and then putting it back to you in a format um, that's much more palatable and much more digestible. So that's one thing. The other thing is, of course, it can do work packages for you. You can actually ask it to go in, and write you a poem for uh, for a relative or write a letter. And it can actually do a, a very decent first job at that, which is something that you're not going to get uh, from a normal search engine.
0: Would it be able to do the poem in my style, even if it's never met me before?
1: Um, In all likelihood, yes, Um, unless, of course, you have a style that's so dramatically different that it hasn't been trained on something similar. So what we do have to keep in mind with things like chat GPT and related systems is they they are driven from the data that they've learned on. And it's massive amounts of data. I mean, it's it's truly a substantial chunk of human knowledge that's then used uh, for the training. But of course, if you if you're asking it questions that are significantly outside of that, uh, then it's also in trouble.
0: potentially will either give you nonsense back or uh, or lie to you garbage in garbage out um i've seen some commentary saying the real issue is that it's hacked language so could it be that if i send an email i used to know if it was a computer replying to me because it was a very sort of boring kind of standard email right would it be possible that i could email and get a reply and not know if i'm talking to a human being or a machine
1: Yes, indeed. So that's actually really quite likely nowadays, and I think many uh, many people might have heard of something similar uh, known as the Turing test. And uh, this has been a standard way for you know for decades already to know when we are faced with a, an artificial intelligence that's convincing. Now, uh, ChatGPT um, is actually able to do that as long as you don't you know significantly scratch below the surface into deep thoughts. It will actually give you a, a very human-like experience. And that illusion is, of course, what the designers are shooting for. And that's the, the real value point of such a system as well.
0: We live in an age where, and I know that, I mean, ChatGPT or artificial intelligence can do voices too. And I'm sure it won't be long before they can manage images. So my question then is, if I don't know if I'm talking to a human being or a machine, and we know that people can nowadays fall in love without having actually met each other <clears throat> in the flesh, is it possible that a human being could fall in love with a machine and not know?
1: Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it's actually an interesting thought experiment. And I, I think we actually are bordering on uh, that, that being a, a possibility. Certainly the, the level of, of interaction over chat is of the, the level that would pull some people in uh, into a relationship of sorts. And you're quite right. They are at the point of generating speech, generating song, of course, as well and um, and images and it's a short step from there to video so i think uh, that's that's definitely in the realm of possibility
0: so then comes the claim and you'll have seen science fiction after science fiction movie about this are the machines taking over um so i
1: don't believe so i happen to be an ai optimist i see that we have uh, lots of potential of what we can do that's right um, using these systems um on the other side of the coin they are not um not at a level where they can interact with each other, they don't have motivation, consciousness, will, drive, a sense of humor and, and the autonomy to actually truly take over. What they do, however, have is the ability to, to fake many of our tasks and to take certain kinds of jobs um, from us or be able to do them better than people would be able to.
0: So you say they, they can't make jokes. They can copy jokes, but they can't make up their own.
1: Indeed, indeed. And uh, they can, of course, fuse different jokes. jokes so they can pull jokes from uh, different styles of humor and and hybridize them. So that's certainly in the realm of possibility. But uh, things completely out of the air that we see from, uh, from very talented comedians, for example, that's not possible yet.
0: There's a bigger conversation around sentience. And I realize this is sort of related to thoughts, but can also be different. So to put it another way, if a machine wakes up, and takes control over its own actions, decides it's going to do uh, what it wants to do. Okay, There's the famous example recently of a Google engineer who resigned and says this has already happened. Will this happen one day, or are we misunderstanding um, uh, terms like sentience, intelligence, artificial intelligence, and thought
1: So I do indeed believe that we're misunderstanding some of those terms. Uh, We're also misunderstanding them because we don't even have a solid grasp of what uh, consciousness means from a human perspective. Uh, nonetheless, uh, these systems absolutely are not sentient uh, at this point. Um, it, it's a significant chunk of work to get to that point, but I believe that eventually we'll reach that point as well. Now, on the more positive side of the coin, these systems will not take over and, and have control of their own destiny without us actually handing it to them. And in that sense, uh, researchers are very mindful of the fact that we need to advance the field, but at the same time not start handing it you know, the, the controls and the keys to uh, to its own power structures, uh, literal power structures in terms of electricity, but also being able to do things in real
0: life. I've seen uh, The Economist had a big article about this recently and they suggested, or they quoted someone who suggested, there is a small chance that artificial intelligence could lead to what they called explosive growth in the global economy. If everyone is more productive, suddenly you would have huge, and they were talking 30% economic growth. I mean, that sounded very optimistic to me. You say you're an AI optimist. Could it impact our productivity quite dramatically?
1: I, I believe so. And, and I'm very excited about that for South Africa in particular. I think it's a dramatic opportunity for us to really become a significant player uh, in the information economy globally. Of course, we have uh, you know various problems that need to be solved uh, to get there, and also um, after we've uh, achieved that. But I think this can be a very, very significant uh, chunk of our future economy.
0: Thank you very much indeed, Professor. really appreciate the time. Professor Bruce Watson is Chair of Computational Thinking, Capitec Bank Chair in AI for Cybersecurity in the School of Data Science and Computational Thinking and a Professor of Information Science at the University of Stellenbosch. Your mediated conversation continues here on SFM. 16 minutes to 9, talking about artificial intelligence. Andile Sophile is the Government and Corporate Affairs Lead at Microsoft South Africa. Andile, good morning.
2: Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to your listeners.
0: Your company's working on artificial intelligence. How do you know that it is safe and that it won't actually have some kind of huge impact on human society?
2: Look, I think that we can't run away from the fact that, you know, with every advancement in technology, there's obviously risks. Um, And so you need to have guardrails one way or the other. Um, And some of the guardrails that you look at uh, is from a policy point of view. So how do you make sure that you've got policies? Um, that currently exists to be able to minimize that? How do you also have those policies having uh, punitive measures, um, you know, try again to alleviate that? Um, so, so you know, definitely, um, you know, with the advancement of technology, there certainly are risks. So when you just look at how, and again, let me just mention from a Microsoft point of view, how we look at this, we've got uh, what we call the Microsoft or ethical AI, um, and that ethical AI, again, it's to make sure, because you do have subjective bias, um, you know, sometimes some of these things are programmed by people. So you need to make sure that, uh, you know, how do you make sure that the AI that we're using and that we have is ethical? So that underlines and underpins all the technologies from a Microsoft point of view that, uh, that we apply and deploy.
0: You 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 talk about it in that way. I mean, there's the famous three laws of robotics. It's a human being makes a decision. Uh, with a whole lot of factors. I mean, and sometimes on gut instinct, and I don't even know what that is. I don't know if an artificial intelligence will ever have a gut. So do you mind just repeating, Stephen? So I'm saying that when a human being makes decisions around ethics, they have a whole lot of factors. Sometimes something can look right, but feel wrong. I, I would never make that kind of distinction, would it?
2: Look, again, it's, it's about the, you know, it's about the, the, the guardrails that you put in within technology. Because, I mean, if you just look at um, AI, right, so it's got the ability, um, you know, so the systems have got the ability to reason, um, to be able to discover meaning, um, you know, to be able to learn from past experiences. Um, so it's got that capability and that ability, but unless you've got that, you know, those guardrails, as I mentioned, like ethical AI, unless you've got those, then you do run the risk of things going berserk and going haywire.
0: At the very beginning, though, I mean, for what we expect in the next little while, most people seem it's going to it's going to benefit them in some way. It's going to make people more productive.
2: It, it definitely is. You know, I always say that um, because people have got this uh, fear of of AI. Uh, You know, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of a lot of other things. So I normally say that, look, uh, don't be afraid of AI, Be careful of the person that is using AI, because that is your biggest threat. And that is, uh, you know, the biggest car that basically becomes your biggest competitor is being able to leverage technology to get a competitive edge.
0: Does that mean people are also going to lose jobs? If some people can be more productive, are other people going to lose their jobs? Or is it going to follow the pattern that we've seen really throughout human history, that new technology in the end leads to more jobs?
2: Look, it definitely will lead to more jobs. Um, You know, the jobs are, of course, going to evolve with any technology. um, You know, the jobs are going to evolve. But I think the question that we should be asking is, are we ready from a skills point of view to be able to leverage and tap into the potential um, of the openings and the roles that uh, it'll open up? I mean, just to give you a, a simple example. So, you know, you've got uh, over 80% of, of, of researchers in AI are actually male. And therefore, that opportunity, it therefore exposes opportunities um, to be inclusive for more women, for youth, uh, to be able to study AI. You know, so it, it basically opens up uh, the opportunities. Um, of course, like I'm saying, that uh, you, 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 at the same time, you know, we 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 have to advance, we have to have the skilling so that we don't remain behind. I mean, we are living in the digital economy, so uh, you know, we we need to recognise that.
0: Um, where do you think we'll see the impact first? I mean, would it be in search, for example, where suddenly our searches are better or get better results? Where, I mean, is there any particular area you can point to and say people are going to see the results in artificial intelligence here first?
2: But I, I think it's everywhere. Um, I think it's everywhere. I mean, you you, you speak about things like search, right? Um, you know, so again, from a Microsoft point of view is our search engine. Um, it's got inbuilt AI. Um, so it definitely is everywhere. I mean, when you just look at uh, even your car systems and how intelligent the car st- systems are, they are also using AI. So it's pervasive across. So it's not like a foreign concept that is pervasive across. And it's actually been here for quite a while. People are just, I think, getting excited because you've got the hype of the chat GPTs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but it's actually been here for a while, and it continues to evolve.
0: Thank you very much indeed. Andilis is the Government and Corporate Affairs Lead at Microsoft South Africa. In a moment, you'll hear from Pelinomi Moelwa, the CEO of Lelapa AI, here on SFM. The conversation around artificial intelligence will continue. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue your Mediated Conversation this morning around the rise of artificial intelligence. Polinomi Moilwa is the CEO of Lalapa AI. Pelinomi, good morning and thanks for your time.
3: Hi, Stephen. Thank you for having me.
0: When people use the artificial intelligence that your tools, that other tools have, what are they using them for? And I presume they're not just using them to write their scripts for a radio program. (laughs)
3: Um, Just a disclaimer, we're still in development and testing phases to ensure that we're creating technology that is responsible. So it's not quite out there, at least upon the world, but um, primarily what our services at the moment is enabling businesses to um, offer their services in South African languages, whether that be via text um, or via voice, in order to expand um, the opportunity for those services to create impact.
0: What kind of opportunity do you think there's going to be for all of this in the future?
3: Um, I, too, am an AI optimist, um, and I think that there's immense opportunities for us to have this collaborative approach. I think often people see AI as a competitor to what they're able to do and able to achieve, but we really see it as a teammate um, in in a broader arrangement to help humans solve problems better which means that anything that we're trying to solve um, in the contemporary present day um, could be sped up in certain ways, um, scaled in certain ways with limited resources, which is especially um, important for places like Africa and the rest of the global South in, in facing challenges.
0: Do you think it's definitely going to lead to more productivity? And let me explain why I asked that question. Yeah. Um, we know that, for example, when something like Twitter first came along, it made people more productive, and then people started using it to argue with each other or tell jokes to each other. Um, people now use the most incredibly sophisticated computer tools to make playlists for themselves on their music streaming servers. So do you think it's going to lead to people being more productive definitely, or do you think we're just going to, like we've done it with so many other things, use it for other things? You know, the invention of printing led to us being more, preve- more productive, but also led to us printing books of jokes
3: <laughs> you know what steven my greatest hope actually is that ai and technology can help people be less productive um, i think that there is a problem that we think we need to be working from nine to five every day in order to earn a good quality of life so i think at the end of the day if we have ai that is able to help us do our jobs um, in a way that is more efficient so that we can still get the work done still keep the economy going, but still have time left over to spend time with our kids and spend time on things that we're passionate on, Um, I think that would be the ultimate goal.
0: I mean, most people are just, when they hear about artificial intelligence, they're worried about losing their jobs entirely, that their job will be done by something else, or that one person will be able to do three jobs instead of the one job they're doing at the moment.
3: Yeah, I don't think they are completely wrong, but I do think that um, the subject has been driven um, from a hype and scaremongering type narrative. I mean, ideally what AI is able to do is help people um, who are doing dangerous jobs or jobs that um, decrease the quality of their li- um, of life. Um, that's a perfect place for AI to come in and take over a job, for example. Um, In the case that we're sending miners underground in Um, very dangerous circumstances that then give them health implications that they have to deal with for the rest of their lives. Those are kind of the jobs we shouldn't be expecting humans to be doing. I recognize that in that case we are taking away jobs and we are taking away um, opportunities for people to um, get money in order to live their lives and I think that's a problem that we need to be able to solve broadly even outside of the scope of AI in terms of um, bettering employment rates in the country. elsewhere Um, but I think also again there's this thing where AI seems to be this competitor of what we're able to do rather than um, us working hand-in-hand so that it's able to expand um, our capability at Lilapa AI we talk about it um, being able to enable problem solvers to expand their capacity you know so it's not it's not that a lawyer will be replaced by AI or a doctor will be replaced by AI Um, It's a doctor who uses A.I. to um, be better at their job, who is able to replace the doctor who doesn't use A.I. Um, That's kind of the perspective we see it from.
0: I mean, for years, people have been telling their children to learn coding at school, right? (laughs) Is artificial intelligence going to do that coding? Have we wasted our time? (laughs)
3: Yeah, and the coding hasn't gone into the schools. It's very frustrating. No, um, artificial intelligence is not going to do that. I think people think it's way smarter than it is. Um, We forget that AI at its core is really just a bunch of very complicated mathematical equations. and, And in that core, it means that it's a model of life. It's not a true representation or an accurate representation of what life really is. Um, and we also underestimate the capability of the human to really understand how the world works. Um, so often we need a human in the loop to ensure that the AI is doing the right thing to do quality insurance and check that it's um, considering all of these contextual cultural things that we're at this point unable to teach a machine so it just doesn't know about it. So that's the first thing, but the second thing is also with regards to accountability, you know. And we had this conversation earlier about safe AI and how do we ensure that it's safe. Part of that is making sure that the control is still up to a human. You can't send AI to AI jail. It doesn't exist. And when, Even if there was an AI jail, the AI wouldn't feel bad about whatever it is that it's done. So it's important that there is a layer of accountability through a human to ensure that it's doing the right thing. So there will always be a need for people to be involved in these technical processes.
0: So much of the talk about artificial intelligence is based on the Western paradigm. It's about what's happening in the US and Europe. Does it matter to us? Could there be implications for us because this has been so concentrated on what's happening in the West?
3: Sure, Stephen, it's absolutely frustrating. (laughs) Like these conversations on AI sentience that you are referring to earlier. Um, I honestly feel like the West and Europe have a very... um, almost a narrow imagination of what AI can do now in our um, present day in terms of solving problems that we have, especially in the global south on the African continent, we have very real life tangible issues that are preventing people from accessing their basic needs in order to survive, never mind live a joyous fulfilling life. Um, And it's quite frustrating that the West is so focused on things like AI sentience and on replicating human abilities like vision or speaking um, or things like that, when we could be using AI to um, increase crop yields so that we are addressing food security issue. We could be using it to combat climate change so that our children have a world to live in. we could be using it for healthcare, for diagnosis and drug discovery, for HIV and malaria, and they're not using it. Um, to do that, which is exceptionally frustrating. But what that does mean is that Africa and other places in the world have an opportunity to drive real impactful change within those areas. What is also kind of an advantage is that a lot of AI is very contextual to the locality of where it is implemented. So what we've been finding in our space is that importing models from the West just don't work here because they don't understand how we work which, again, is an opportunity for us then to, to a certain extent, um, prevent ourselves from being exploited by um, those those greater corporations, but also to be um, active and have agency in solving our own problems.
0: And Pelonomi, I hope you don't mind me asking this, but one of our guests made the point that um, this field, 80% of the people in this field, 80% of the humans working in this field are men. Why is that?
3: <laughs> uh I mean, it's a question that I do ask myself. I think there has been um, over the years, and you, and you know, in fact, when computer science first came out, like in in the 80s, as a really major field, it was dominated by women, and the first programmer recorded in the history of all time is a woman, Ada Lovelace. Um, so I think there's this complicated history. Um, I think also with the World War in degrading the value of work until men started joining the field. There's this complicated issue about the switch from women to men in the field of computing and I think that's just then carried on into the AI field um, and of course, I mean I, I teach coding to high school girls and I'm very aware of the fact that by teaching it to them and encouraging them to enter that field, they'll be entering an environment that is not um, hospitable to them and their needs but something needs to change and Um, it does need to change in order to have that perspective in the technology that runs our future. It's a big problem. Um, There are reasons why it's switched and why it is that way. Um, But I think we need to focus more on, on reversing that and getting more women in the field.
0: Thank you, CEO of Lelapa AI. My thanks also to Andile Stofile, government and corporate affairs Lead at Microsoft South Africa. And starting us off today, Professor Bruce, Bruce why can't I say that today? Professor Bruce Watson, chair of computational thinking at the University of Estellenbosch. We'll be back tomorrow from Banyana and uh, Do myself look after yourself here with SFM leading the conversation nine o'clock.